Hello, my fellow geoscience aficionados. You are listening to Nice Chats from the Geology Podcast Network. I am Dr. B, and in each episode, I will interview an expert in various areas of geoscience and share with you a little bit of their knowledge and expertise in the research of natural problems. Each of our episodes has a central theme, and since we'll have an expert walk us through the various subjects, you don't need to worry about having any previous knowledge of what we'll be talking about. As long as you're passionate about the study of geosciences, I, with the help of our guest and occasional co-host, will take care of feeding you all the information you need in a casual and fun environment. Today I'm interviewing Professor Claudio Scarpati from the University of Naples, Federico II. Or due, I don't know. Him and his former PhD student Nikos Parice have kindly guided us through the area around Napoli when I went on a field trip across Italian volcanoes with Professor Antonio Gilberto Costa. I particularly remember how Claudio changed all the misconceptions I had regarding the eruption that decimated Pompeii, and I hope he will do the same for you today. Let's welcome him. Hey friends, welcome to part two of our interview with Claudio, where we continue talking about Pompeii and the Vesuvius eruption of 79 AD. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to part one uh, to understand better about the continuation of our chat with him. Uh, now I'm going to go back to that recording And to do that, I'm going to use a very, very professional sound effect. You ready? Right. So let me just make sure I got everything right. So basically, this eruption creates this big uh, cloud that that looks like a um, uh, pine, you know, like yeah. a, a horizontal at the top with a big uh, with a big column. And then, <clears throat> so that's like, you know, the volcano is driving that force up, all this material is being ejected. And for as long as the volcano is kind of like acting as a driving force, then the only thing that comes down are these uh, ashes, which are not, you know, necessarily super destructive. And they cover everything like like snow, let's say. Yeah. And that creates this like uh, protection of the lower part of the city. But then once... The, um, the volcano's, you know, um, force of driving everything up starts to diminish, or if maybe there is a lot of accumulation of material, I'm not so, so clear on that, Every, then uh, gravity starts to act and everything comes down as like a very abrupt and, uh, and um, strong and, and um, aggressive kind of uh, flow of material that is actually hot and that's what's destroying everything. Yeah, these are, these are the main phases. In reality, we have a more, much more complex uh, events because we have some mm -hmm. small pyroclastic currents during the first phase, and also we have some sustained column phases during the second phase. But mm. the, 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 the summary is, is correct. Uh, okay, simplified. Yeah, and here. we have to say that when we start to study Pompeii 25 years ago, uh, this was the, the, the scenario. 
and uh, we start to make some excavation and study the old uh, diaries and we found that uh, uh, with some of uh, uh, of the victims that uh, we found were inside the, the lapilli deposit so the deposit of the first phase uh, you have mm-hmm. to think that before our study the volcanologist thinks that the first phase was in august okay Mm-hmm. When we made the statistics for the first time of, of all the victims in Pompeii, we recognized that 40% of victims were in this innocuous deposit that was not at all innocuous because we have 400 people uh, killed by doing this phase. And this is very strange mm-hmm. because if you look at the statistic uh, in uh, every part of the world uh, and uh, in the past centuries, doing this kind of uh, uh, phenomena, doing the fallout of material, usually you have the three, four percent of victims. Why in Pompeii you have 40 percent? So 10 times the victim that you usually have recorded in, uh, in the modern time. Okay. We think that this is due to the peculiar site because we stay inside a town. Usually, volcanologists, geologists, as you know, study in the country. This is one of the few places where you can study the what happened inside a town, in ancient town, but a town. Okay, what happened? We think that the scenario is, was, was this, that uh, pumice material fall on fell on on Pompeii, of course. Now you have to think that uh, if a pumice hit your head, the pumice is uh, lighter than water. Okay, the density is less than the water, so you cannot have a lot of problems. So you can also work on 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 the in the streets. And in fact, we know from Pliny that uh, his uncle put uh, uh, a pillow on his head to, to, to mm-hmm. walk in Stabia. But what happens if you stay in a home? Okay, if your uh, home has a flat roof, the material accumulates on the flat roof, the, so it overloads the, the, the roof, and we calculated mm-hmm. that after a few hours, three, four, not more than six hours, the flat roof started to collapse. So mm-hmm. in this way, many people that were covered in the houses were killed because their uh, roofs crumbled, crashed on their heads. In fact, we found that more than 90% of victims during this phase were found inside their houses. So it's something like similar to the earthquake. You stay in your house, the earthquake move your house, the house is not able to resist and crash, and you not uh, uh, die because of the earthquake uh, shaking, but because uh, your house is not uh, enough strong to, to support the, 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 the waves. And uh, in this case, the, the roofs were not enough 
strong to support the overload. So uh, people that decided to remain at home, okay, most of them were killed by the collapsing roofs. All the survivors, 650 per person that stay in Pompeii during the eruption, were killed by the paraclastic current that occurred during the second phase of the eruption. Uh, and also this is a very interesting story because I said before that there are several paraclastic currents. So the first one occurring during the, the 24th of, uh, in the morning of the 25th of October, were not able to reach the, the, the inside the, the town, just the walls and some buildings near the walls. Then two other small pyroclastic current were able to move through Pompeii, but we found a few victims inside these layers. So mm-hmm. they were not able to kill everyone, as volcanologists say previously. Then there was the fourth pyroclastic current that was the strongest, that destroyed everything, cut every wall, and we found most of the victims in this layer. So all people that survived the first pyroclastic currents were killed by this fourth pyroclastic current, and we have no trace of victims or humans in the above level. So no one was able to survive the fourth pyroclastic current that was able also to crush the, the, the walls and uh, destroy everything above the pumice level. Why didn't people just run away? Well, this is not completely true because I okay. uh, spoke about more or less 1,000, 1,100 victims. You have to think that Pompeii has a population estimated of, uh, we have a range from the archaeology from 6,000 to 20,000 inhabitants. So this means that most of the inhabitants escape from Pompeii because we have just 1,000 victims. Of course, there is one third of Pompeii still excavated, but if we have a statistical uh, projection, we can find them possibly 200, 300 people. So this means that uh, 70, 80 percent of inhabitants are not found in Pompeii. Now the problem if they survived the eruption, I don't know. I don't know because to survive a Plinian eruption, you have to move fast and in the correct direction. Okay, you have to think what happened during the eruption. They didn't know about the the nature. Okay, the ordinary people didn't know about the nature of the Vesuvius. So they uh, saw this uh, huge eruptive cloud. They saw stones coming from the, 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 the sky and accumulated on, the, on their town at a very fast rate. Okay, if you calculate the rate, the accumulation was 15 centimeters per hour. So in two hours, 30 centimeters, 
in four hours, 60 centimeters, and so on. So in few hours, it was impossible to use carriages, to use horses to escape. You have to walk on the pumice that are soft. So you cannot walk very fast. They are not hot, mm -hmm. but are soft. Mm -hmm. So this means that you cannot escape very quickly. And you have to escape in the correct direction. Because if you escape toward the volcano, of course, it's not the correct route. You have to escape away from the volcano. It's not so easy. Mm -hmm. Because possibly they cannot very well correlate the phenomena with the geography. And all mm -hmm. You have to think that... The, the eruptive column was huge, 32 kilometers high. So this 30 times the height of the volcano. And the cloud covered completely the sun because you have a huge black cloud that covered the sky. So they don't see anything. Then there was these mm -hmm. stones falling from the, the sky. So possibly it was a very chaotic environment. In fact, a few years ago, we made an excavation with a Japanese team from the University of Kyoto, just mm -hmm. north of Pompeii, okay, a few tens of meters north of the town. Uh, they uh, uh, made this uh, deep trench, and at the base of the trench, uh, we found two victims, uh, were two slaves, with the chains at the ankles uh, that uh, we found north of Pompeii. So this means that they escaped from the towns, they moved um, f uh, outside the walls, but toward the north, so toward the volcano, not away from the volcano. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right. they were uh, overwhelmed, they were killed by the pyroclastic current. You have to think mm -hmm. that pyroclastic current not stop at Pompeii, that is 10 kilometers mm -hmm. from the volcano, but the strongest of this current, the fourth current, was able to reach the mountain south of the Campanian plain, so 20 kilometers from the vent. So this means mm -hmm. that if you move also in the correct direction, you have to uh, per, uh, to, to, to arrive more than 10 kilometers from Pompeii to survive the second phase of the eruption. So I think that or perhaps someone survived, might think that under the, 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 the surface of the Campanian plain, three, four, five meters under the 79 AD deposit, there are a lot of victims that escaped from Pompeii and were just reached by the pyroclastic current in the open country. Yeah, makes sense. But um, so were the Romans aware that uh, Vesuvius was a volcano? Like were there eruptions that were witnessed before that eruption from 79? Okay, you have to think that uh, it's a different age, it's not Actually, the information are distributed, everyone knew more or less the same. But in Roman time, there were intellectuals that knew mm -hmm. something about geography, philosophy, and so on. And ordinary people that didn't go to, to, to the school, they didn't know anything about the, 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 mm -hmm. the 
about their territory. So we we know from some Latin uh, books that uh, uh, some uh, intellectual, they, they, some someone could know the, the the nature of this mountain because. Uh, they wrote that the rocks of Vesuvius were similar to Etna rocks. So mm. they understood that originally the, 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 that mountain was a volcano. Of course, they didn't know that it was an active volcano because in the Roman, before the first uh, the eruption, before the 79 occurred, the 300 years before, when the Romans were not there, and mm -hmm. so they have no idea uh, about the, the, the active nature of the Vesuvius. Okay. Yeah, because uh, obviously when I visited um, visited you in, in Napoli, uh, I also was told that it was a very special, let's say, or unusual activity as well, because the direction of the winds were also kind of out of ordinary. But that didn't play any part on their decision to build the city there because they didn't know that it was, there was going to be an eruption in the first yeah, place. Yeah, but uh, yes, it's true. Uh, they didn't know about the nature, and they also true that they were uh, the Pompeians was a very unfortunate because usually the stratospheric winds that blow the cloud uh, uh, blow toward the east. So mm -hmm. in, in this, uh, usually uh, fallout from Vesuvius uh, fell on the mountain east of Vesuvius. Just in this mm -hmm. occasion, just in this, uh, uh, during this event, the, 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 the wind blew south and Pompeii is exactly on the dispersal axis. So Pompeii uh, accumulated the maximum thickness of the, the pumis. Uh, and mm -hmm. and with all the the, the, the consequences that uh, I uh, speak before, so, so they have problem to escape, and also they have a lot of problem with the accumulation of their roofs. Right. Um, so you mentioned also that you found these uh, the bodies of these uh, slaves, but how exactly? Because I because I visited Pompeii and. Um, I, you know, if, if, if our listeners also Google kind of like the, the cast of the bodies, yeah. they can see that it looks like, you know, the human shape, yeah. but, but uh, how do you actually discover that? Like, because that's not like a protective layer that was formed, uh, you know, around the body by the, by the ash or something like that. Right. Okay. If you made the simple excavation, you find the skeletons. Okay. In mm -hmm. the ash okay. and the pumice, you find the skeletons of the victims. But in the 19th century, Giuseppe Fiorelli, that was the archaeologist uh, that uh, coordinated the uh, Pompeii excavation at the time, had a brilliant idea. Uh, mm -hmm. He uh, noted that uh, when during the excavation, there are some holes some voids inside the ash. Okay, you have to remember that in Pompeii, the uh, volcanic deposit is essentially made up of two different beds. The lower part is formed by pumis lapilli that are very coarse, very uh, porous, 
uh, and the upper part that was uh, implicit by the pyroclastic currents that uh, settled very fine ash. So uh, if uh, we found a victim in the ash, what happened? That uh, uh, the okay the during the eruption, the people were killed by by this uh, ash. Uh, they were buried by the ash. The ash covered completely the, the human body, then hardened. Then the, the flesh uh, is lost by in the time. Okay, and uh, because the, the 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 ash hardened, you have the cast of the human body. But of course, you have the cast of any organic material, wooden object, and so on. So mm-hmm. the idea of Fiorelli was put liquid plaster, so it was, it's not a natural cast, it's an mm-hmm. artificial cast. So you put liquid plaster in the void and the, the, plaster, the liquid plaster fill the void, then you remove the ash and you have the perfect cast of the human body. So only in Pompeii is the unique place in the world when you can see the last moment of the life of the victims of this huge eruption. And this is important because you can study not just the presence of a victim, but also what happened to the victims, because the victims protect, for example, there are many victims that have their hands just close to their mouth. They try to protect their mouth because there was a lot of ash in the air, so they suffocated. So we know that they suffocated because we see plastically that they cover their uh, mouth, their nose with the, the, the hands or with the part of their dress. So it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that not only bodies were preserved, but a bunch of things like uh, like wood, for example. Yeah. Uh, when I when I visited uh, Pompeii, I noticed that they planted a bunch of trees and uh, and vines as well, and they say that those were the original positions of those trees and vines. How how do they know that? Yeah, for the same reason, because they uh, made the cast of the roots of the trees. And so they know perfectly the location of the trees. And also botanists were able to, from the, the roots and the pollen, to understood mm-hmm. the, 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 the kind of uh, trees. So now they try to uh, fill the gardens with the original plants. And also they grew vines and they sell vines that uh, is a Pompeii vine that you can uh, drink in some some good uh, restaurant I think <laughs> nice Silvia do you want to ask the last two questions yeah um, so um, well you have seen uh, how all these uh, all these casts are um, are now uh, preserving um, the ancient bodies and all uh, and the roots and plants and so on. So, but how can we ensure that this city uh, that has survived for over 
2,000 years almost isn't destroyed years. by almost 2,000 years <laughs> isn't destroyed by us. Yeah, this is this, this is very a very important question. Uh, the the, the preves- preservation is a task of the archaeological parks. Actually, there are the archaeological park of Herculaneum, of Pompeii, and so on, and they have to propose to promote the knowledge. So they, from this side, they favor the tourists to visit to to know about the ruins, about the the, the Roman history, about the eruption, and so on. But of course, on the other side, they, they try to preserve the towns. Okay, most of the object has been removed and stay in, in the museum. But the, mm-hmm. the urban structure, of course, they there uh, under the bad weather. And you have to think that in Pompeii, there are two million tourists that walk on the same roads that uh, the Roman. Uh, work on and uh, uh, touch the same uh, uh, paintings and, and, and so on. So uh, it's very difficult. You cannot build a, a huge roof because it's a, a large town, so 20,000 people. Uh, you know possibly that uh, in Santorini there was uh, something similar. There, there, there is a Bronze Age uh, town Buried by next uh, possible eruption, but it was smaller, so they have completely covered the town, and now you uh, can visit this town and moving inside a large building. This is impossible for Pompeii, and most of the the, the, the uh, ambience, uh, most of the buildings have no roofs. So when rain, it rain inside the house. So this is a problem. The the superintendents, the, the archaeological park, uh, continue continuously um, try to to preserve everything. But you have to think that one third is still uh, unearthed, and everyone would uh, would be have. Um, Pleasure to to unearth uh, that part of of of, uh, of the, the 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 town, but possibly if we not make uh, excavation, the volcanic deposit are the safest place to preserve for the next generation. All the, the the original uh, ruins, the original object, also the victim. So we have also to think about the the the, the science, the technology. Okay, now we we can study DNA. We can study a lot of. We have a lot of very uh, innovative technique to study the skeletons, the object. Uh, but possibly in the next centuries. They could have something that could study without destroy anything uh, the, 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 the frescoes or the, 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 the human bodies. And so, should possibly, we should preserve a part of the, uh, the Roman towns for the next generation. Yeah. 
Probably is a good, good idea to keep. It's probably a good idea to keep uh, Herculano two thirds of Herculano still under the the pumice. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, the difficult to 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 excavate is a good uh, preservation method. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, and. Um... So the other question that I have for you, Claudio, yeah. is that um, so we talked. You 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 mentioned that well, there is a new Pompeii, there is a new town. So um, that was uh, uh, constructed, um, even though uh, there was uh, this uh, um, uh, disruptive ex um, Vesuvian ex um, eruption. So are there um, studies? that could tell whether the Vesuvius is going to erupt again or had given any sign um, of a possible future eruption? Yeah, uh, okay. Now everyone knows that uh, uh, Vesuvius is an active volcano, but we have uh, uh, 700,000 of people inside the, uh, the so-called red zone, the zone that will be destroyed in case of a, a new uh, explosive eruption of sublinian type. Sublinian means not so strong like in the 79, but enough strong to produce uh, uh, large damages. And so the only way that we know actually in every place in the world to, to escape the destruction is uh, to monitoring the volcanoes and uh, we have uh, an institute the Osservatorio Suriano that with this for us they have a lot of different researches and uh, technique that uh, monitoring every thing uh, the gases uh, the earthquakes uh, uh, the ground movement and so on so they should be able to understand when the magma are rising toward the, 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 the top, toward the surface. And uh, so we think that uh, they should be able to, to alarming the, the, the population, possibly some days or some weeks before the eruption. Of course, we don't know the date, we don't know also the type, so you should in the case of uh, uh, this kind of alarm, you should decide to uh, move away the population. There is a, a, an emergency plan for this. You have to think that there are hundreds of thousands of people that should move in a few days uh, uh, away from the volcano. Uh, at the end, of course, you have not idea about the next eruption should be just a small eruption or a very large eruption. Uh, we have not uh, any possibility to know in advance the type of eruption. But uh, the, the, the good news is that possibly we have the, 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 the ability, the technology to, to know several days before the eruption that uh, uh, something strange will occur. So we have to prevent this moving away. Okay. 
and also if uh, if someone chooses to stay behind they have to remember that potentially you know whenever they're getting buried that will be their last pose forever so you know do something cool i think yeah yeah this is true this is true uh, you you know these so you can have the best attitude of your bodies uh, that you can mm -hmm. transfer to the future generation i would probably do like um at the thinker pose or something classic <laughs> like that yeah. <laughs> so Claudio, for our next segment, we like to ask always the same three questions at the end of every episode. These are questions which are a bit more personal. They're designed to make each guest a bit more familiar to the listener, and they allow us to compare experiences and opinions across all the geoscience research fields. The first question is, how did you first decide to become a geoscientist? Oh, this was quite natural in my in my region because I was born in Naples and I lived in a small town on the Vesuvius slope. So when I opened the window of my parents' apartment, I saw very close the Vesuvius. When I was a child, I worked on the lava flow with my two brothers. So it was natural for me to, to go to the geology department and uh, decide to choose a volcanological thesis. So I started my career in volcanology. Great. Uh, what are some of the specifics of the research that you are conducting at present? Okay, essentially I continue to, to, to focus on the Vesuvius and on the Neapolitan volcanoes. They are very interesting because they... Uh, here we have a lot of different uh, volcanic phenomena from large calderas to small uh, lava dome, from, from lava flow to large equilibrium. You can study everything. And also because here we have the problem of a lot of uh, inhabitants living very close or above or under the volcano, like in Campo Flegre, they live inside the caldera. So it's a very... Uh, interesting uh, research to, to not mm -hmm. just to study theoretically the, 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 the volcanoes, but also try to understand the hazard that they can pose to the local population. Yeah, very fascinating. What do you enjoy doing when you are not geosciencing? Uh, this, I have a, a strong passion for the movies, the cinema. I... Mm -hmm go very often to the cinema. When I was uh, a boy, I was very fascinated by the cinema. I was, uh, I, I hoped to become a filmmaker. Then I became a, a scientist. But mm -hmm. uh, in the last years, I can join the two patients because uh, uh, there are a lot of documentary about Pompeii in which I'm involved. So I script uh, for the director, I discuss with the director, and uh, so in, in some way I can, uh, in, in, in the ancient age, I can uh, join my two passions. I can do some film during my scientific research. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe you can send us some suggestions of uh, material 
like you know documentaries and things and we can add it to the show notes and then if our listeners want to you know watch and learn a bit more about Pompeii they can they can check that out yeah so. i can give you some uh, titles some some things you see you know there is a, 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 a just one word a, a very uh, hollywoodian movie Pompeii edited in the last yeah. years at it's the worst thing made on, on Pompeii. <laughs> you have to think that Pompeii in that movie was destroyed mm. not just by the volcano, but by tsunami, by uh, <laughs> uh, fireballs uh, falling on, on, the, on the town. So Hollywood is very far from, from the scientific uh, uh, point of view, but there are some very beautiful documentary that uh, you, I can suggest to your uh, uh people that listen this this podcast okay uh claudio my last question is how can our listeners stay up to date with what you're doing or get in contact with you if they want to work with you or something like that okay i i work at the university so it's very easy to to contact me it's with my name it's her name claudio scarpati you can find uh, my email my website mm -hmm. uh, so it's very easy to to contact me I, it's a pleasure if someone is interested to to listen something more about the the the, the volcano to have uh, the scientific paper that we wrote about this volcano uh, for sure i will uh, supply them with all this material perfect yeah. claudio thank you so much uh for you know agreeing to to do this interview with us i will say that um the experience for me was almost as good as when I did the first time, when you told me the story the first time, with the difference that the first time I was actually in Pompeii. So that made you know it even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I hope that uh, people could listen to this podcast and decide uh, as your wife to go to Pompeii. And if you come here, you can contact me. We can go together and, uh, oh, and have a nice trip uh, in Pompeii. Okay. That, that would be awesome. Definitely, we will have to organize a trip okay. uh, to Pompeii <laughs> now, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It has been uh, very interesting to learn um, the geological and historical story of Pompeii. Thank you so much again. Thank you both of us for to, to inviting me to this podcast. I hope that uh, I was enough clear for your uh, listener. And uh, uh, as I said before, if someone will go deeper in the volcanological history of Vesuvius, they can contact me uh, with, by email. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Pompeii and volcanism in the Campiflagre area, like we mentioned, Claudio has produced many resources, and that includes actually a post from traveling geologists that we will definitely add to the show notes. This podcast is brought to you by the Geology Podcast Network. The GPN is sponsored by Traveling Geologists. Follow Traveling Geologists on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. More episodes of this and other GPN podcasts are available at travelinggeologist.com or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts or my favorite, Spotify. This is not sponsored by Spotify, by the way. See you next time. <laughs>